Hey friend, you're tuned in to Come Downstage with Jay. I'm Jay, a passionate theater practitioner and educator. This podcast is dedicated to all practitioners out there who are trying to weave the narrative of how they got started in the arts as possible inspiration for the next generation of artists coming up and possibly to inspire those who went before as we continue to build our arts entertainment industry. Tell your friends and join the tribe because this, you don't want to miss this. So come downstage with Jay. Let's hold the vibe. Welcome to the second episode of Come Downstage with Jay. I'm Jay and today I have my good friend, Nicolette Williams, a creative arts therapist. Welcome, Miss Nicolette. Miss Nick. <laughs> thank you, Auntie Jay. Jay, thank you. <laughs> yes, come down stage. No, I just discovered something recently. You're a dog lover, but how does it feel to be a cat? How does it feel to be a creative arts therapist? (laughs) You're funny, you're funny, you're funny. That is a brilliant one, Jay. That is a brilliant one. I discovered that just now, so I had to use it. (laughs) So tell tell my listeners, how does it feel to be a cat? Well, I would say I do tolerate cats, <laughs> animals, <laughs> but I do hope that persons, especially my clients slash patients, just don't tolerate me. They love me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, is, what does it mean to be a creative arts therapist? Well, it's... <sighs> and not have... just a creative arts therapist, the mm-hmm. first creative arts therapist in Barbados. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a relief. It's a relief. It's hard work mm-hmm. because you have to keep at it. You have to keep um, reminding persons of who you are and what you went through mm-hmm. um, in order to be the first. Um, there are some others that are in the field, but they're specialists within the entire general field of creative arts therapy there are others that are art therapists that are music therapists but as a creative arts therapist someone who delves into all of the creative art modalities such as dance drama music art play therapy mm-hmm. sound therapy etc i am professionalized in that and i practice in that and i also specialize in dance movement therapy hence my professional performing arts background as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. So I'm glad you mentioned the professional background in, in dance. So I want to find out, instead of going the route of, because we studied at the Arbara Center together, mm-hmm. doing the BFA. Mine was mm-hmm. more so on the theater aspect. Yours mm-hmm. was most, more so on the dance aspect, even though we did both. Right. Mm-hmm. So... With that background in mind and a trajectory of possibly becoming an international dancer, Mm -hmm. why did you decide to go the route, not the performance space, but go the route of becoming 
a healer or using those modalities as you as you just indicated to use it as a healing profession rather than just a performance artist well i would say when i was in my final year at arabaro center i was doing my thesis and i was doing a piece on prostate cancer and one of my dance colleagues mr shea best he was the soloist in my piece and I found that in doing my research, something about men particularly hiding their emotions mm-hmm. um, was something that society was finding it hard to understand. Um, and men were finding it hard to expose and express themselves vulnerably to their individual worlds. Mm-hmm. And particularly, you know, quote unquote, men being sick and don't like to go to the doctor, they hide those emotions. So having a male do this particular piece on prostate cancer, I realized that I needed to, you know, dig a little deeper on the emotions of a man, especially a sick man, especially a father, especially a man who is high in a professional um, world, but has this disease, Mm -hmm. right? That cannot be cured. So I worked with Shay in our practicing sessions and preparing for my thesis night. And he did express to me that he found it hard to emote what I was really trying to um, get from him. Mm-hmm. So in the deliverance of the piece, I decided, you know what, Nick? Your friends always tell you, you know, you're always analytical, you're very observant and you're very deep. Mm-hmm. Um, what does this really mean about you? And I started to do a lot of self-introspection before I went back to Shea. And I started to Google therapy, different kinds of therapy. And I spoke to my father at the time. If I, Daddy, if I was to put dance and therapy together, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. He's like, Google it. So I Googled it and it had expressive therapy and then it had dance therapy. So I Googled dance therapy and I researched and researched. And I was like, Dad, this is what it is. This is me. This is me. Mm-hmm. Analytical, um, very... Um, in very logical when it comes to the emotions, trying to get the emotions from one place to another. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is me, this is me. Mm-hmm. So I took it back to Shay after doing a whole set of days of research. And I started to use some of the techniques and interventions that was said online that creative arts therapists use mm-hmm. um, in terms of working with professional dancers. Um, and it helped. And during the preparation stage for thesis night he cried he expressed how he felt he understood now the journey of a man who may or is diagnosed with prostate cancer at the time and at the end of it on the night itself he was like Nicolette thank you he was now able to express other things that he was going through that he found it hard as a male Mm -hmm. to express so then I was like okay this is it for me so I took a year off and I worked with Mustard Seed Productions under Varia Williams. Mm-hmm. And then I went to study at Pratt Institute in New York for two years. And I found out that that's where my calling is. Not neglecting the professional arts, but I needed to tap into that because that's what my journey was like when I was at UE for a time. Even though it was my final year still being a professional dancer, mm-hmm. I found that I started to take a little bit deeper into another element of me and I needed to expose that hence studying it 
and not forgetting where I started in my professional career as a dancer, but having to tap into that. And then in moving and dancing, when I was overseas studying, I realized that it was healing me from mm-hmm. not being able to not re- not being able to get through quote unquote with the arts in Barbados because at that time with the year off as I said from UE before I got overseas I was trying to get you know professional gigs I was trying to perform and it was hard it, it wasn't paying well number one mm-hmm. uh, I was a lot of work number two number three I couldn't see myself going any further at the time ah. Like five years down the line, what can you be doing in Barbados professionally as a dancer other than teaching? All right, good. Stick a pin. Mm -hmm. Because I hear a lot of themes (laughs) coming out here. (laughs) And when you mentioned your dad, I started to get goosebumps Mm -hmm. because it is interesting to learn that your initial conversation about dance therapy started with your dad. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, he passed before you, you know, fully came into being mm-hmm. a creative arts therapist again. Goosebumps mm-hmm. again, Ooh. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so I know for sure that that must be heartwarming to know that even though he didn't get to see you live out the dream, you had that initial conversation before. with him, yeah. And your thesis also was to honor him as well. Mm-hmm. So so it's like in a sense, you know, as creators, we always get inspiration from others. Mm-hmm. But it seems more and more that your dad was the inspiration who birthed the thesis and then who, you know, pointed a direction into, yes, Nick, this is where you should go. Mm-hmm. That's that's whew. Girl, that's some unpacking there, and that's interesting. And you mentioned Shay. So Shay is a colleague of mine, and we know Shay is a very expressive being. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see, as you said, that men, and we find a lot in Barbados in the Caribbean, that men shy away from their true emotions. Yeah. Um, and again, that's what causes a lot of the dis-ease. That's what, what my thesis at EBCCI was all about, um, how we how we take our emotions and internalize them and then don't express it. So then that's when for the women, we start to get fibroids, the men, mm-hmm. then, you know, the cancers and all the different things um, like that. You also touched base with mustard seed and we were partners together, tutoring mm-hmm. at mustard seed together with under the direction of Aria. Um, so I want to know how has theater because we're going to come back to the things that you said about not being paid and stuff so we're coming back to them things you know don't think that i forget so <laughs> i want to know how teaching drama to the young children of you know you taught all the way from the three-year-olds all up to the performing um ensemble which is 16 17 so how has teaching the drama impacted your practice as a creative arts therapist Wow, um, a lot. <laughs> How can I summarize this? Okay. I love teaching. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. I love teaching. I love teaching drama. I love teaching performing arts in a whole. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I get to see the kids in their silly element. Yes. Uh, I have that child in me that I do. We do. 
So that silly element is something that I look forward to when it comes to teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I also realize that when I'm teaching kids, whether from the three to the 17, 18 year old adults, young adults, I should say, mm-hmm. um, that they're able to express their issues to me. Mm-hmm. They're able to express what challenges they are going through, whether verbally or non-verbally. And I found that that was key for me in terms of having my little therapy cap there on the site as well too. Because then it gave me some information. Okay, Nick, you can continue to do this therapy thing on the site and still teach on the site. You can balance the two, mm-hmm. right? And um, teaching theater really hones into the developmental stage of a child. And if I can be present in the developmental stages of a child, I think that's that's important mm-hmm. in just being in that in, in just being in their life at that time. Um, Varia especially wanted me to focus in on the special needs kids mm-hmm. at at Mustard Seed because we've had one or two that needed a lot of special attention, mm-hmm. and um, I really enjoyed working with those students in particular. Yes, because that's on my specialty as a psychotherapist, but also too in understanding them in terms of being able to relate to them on their language mm-hmm. and their uh, limited emotives because they don't correct. emote the same way. Mm-hmm. Correct. So being there working with those um, kids with the special needs and simultaneously working with the high functioning, like as you said, Jay, we work together. So mm-hmm. I remember in our sessions, I would go off with one child who is on the spectrum yeah. and then you would work with the other kids mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we neglect that child to the group to the yeah, other exactly. put them all together mm-hmm. so I like that in working in th- working with children in theater that we're able to have a community and sometimes that's important and that's enough for children because at school they have to go off in all these different classes and have all these different mini communities mm-hmm. but theater is a community on its own that the children can express themselves in a very vulnerable way. Mm-hmm. So then it it, it it piggybacks the why do what I do as well because then my patients and clients feel safe. Mm-hmm. It's a safe space and that's what community, that's what theater is. So that's why it even helps me in teaching theater to kids because I feel safe in working with these kids and then I would love these kids to feel safe in working with me. So mm-hmm. that's it in a nutshell why I do what I do in theater mm-hmm. in a summary I didn't want to prolong it <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting you said that you know it's almost like a safe space but you know that safe space has been disrupted for almost a good year now due to mm-hmm. this bum 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 COVID That's right. so <laughs> I want to know how tell me how significantly did it affect your practice and, and you being away from um your patients or you know those you work with so from the very young ones because i know you work with varying age ranges mm-hmm. and you 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 also work with specific agencies and and then you work with individuals as well so you go to homes you go to organizations whatnot so give me an idea of how this whole entire covid thing has negatively impacted you and your practice number one not being able to visually um, and physically see 
my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, thinking in my head, because I'm human, mm-hmm. thinking in my head that they may forget the tools or not use the tools that I have helped them with before COVID hit Barbados. Mm-hmm. Um, three, being limited with communication with them. Yeah. Um, and number four, not being able to be present in their negative situations or issues that they're going through. Because what used to happen was that I was on call. So anything happened, Miss Nick or Auntie Nicolette or Miss Williams, um, something, something, something is the case. Mm-hmm. And I'm not able to get in my vehicle and go and save or right. heal. Mm. So then that sets me back emotionally as a person. And it then puts, it then have put me in a position of just pressing pause Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I realize that being able to help them and going to help them in whatever situations or areas that they're experiencing at the time before COVID, I was kind of forgetting myself. So I kind of like give praise for COVID as well too, but I had missed them as well too on the other side of the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did though was I did a lot of Zoom sessions and Google Meet sessions. Um, so with the elderly homes, I could not go in, unfortunately. Right. So that's something that I'm looking forward to in a couple months. Um, with my children patients, um, I did a lot of Zoom sessions and a lot of psychoeducational sessions, um, educating them on different areas of mental health illnesses, mm-hmm. um, because those are kids that I work with anxiety or depression. Um, so we just did a lot of talk sessions and I think that is that was very important because my sessions are very physical and nonverbal. So mm-hmm. being able to talk a little bit more now during COVID about what they were going through or what they are going through at the time was it was information for me so that when we resume in person sessions, I would have been able to tap back to what they shared on Zoom. So mm-hmm. that was a plus for me. Um, my other patients of addicts and um domestic violence um, survivors, I was privileged to go into the Verdon House home to work with them every two weeks, every three weeks when COVID Mm -hmm. was really heavy in Barbados. So I was very privileged and grateful for that opportunity. But again, having social distancing, not able to touch a lot of Mm -hmm. um, somatic um, Yeah, and the kinesthetic because you need, you need, yeah, you need that. So that that was that was hard for them and hard for me. And it was like they can't hug, we can't touch. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't go into a stress area to help them alle- alle- alleviate the stress. I, you know, what I mean, ha- you have to do it on your own. You have to do it. Oh, Nicola, yeah. I can't do it. Help, help. You know. So then that was a bit stressful too for both parties. But I can say now, though, Jay, that it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able now to meet some of them in person. So I'm mm-hmm. really happy for that. And yeah, just enjoy, just enjoy the in-person sessions because you don't know what the world, what will happen to the world again. Mm-hmm. So just take it one day at a time and try to meet these clients where they're at and heal them in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because when you leave them, you know, you want them that they take the tools. So that was a fear that I had, as I said earlier, that they wouldn't use the tools. But again, I can only wear so many caps. Exactly. You know, here you speak about them and how some of them were a, a little annoyed or upset with the fact that they couldn't touch 
you know, it brings me back to a, a session I, I had uh, with Smart Arts from teaching these small ones to read. Mm-hmm. And there, <laughs> this little guy came in for the first time. So this, these are four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally at the end or when they got something, I would say, high five. So, you know, it's COVID, you can't touch. So I said, right. air high five. And he looked at me and he was like, no, I want, I want real high five. And I said, but you know, it's COVID, we can't, we can't have a real high five. So air high five. And Nicolette, he was mm. so annoyed. He was like, no, no, no. His face and everything changed. And he went into assault mode and I had to explain, you know, why we couldn't high five and at that point in time, then it hit me that a lot of our children, especially the very young ones who are accustomed to touching and playing and running and hitting mommy and daddy and friends and, you know, touch is their main mode of communication for yeah. almost everything. So in that moment, I felt, uh, I felt a little hurt. So to think, to put that into also an addict now who retards so you know they go back into that childlike being as well when they're in the sessions in order to emote or to communicate we really we really don't know to what magnitude has covid affected a lot of people because they're masking their emotions right (laughs) which is you know i i am thinking ahead about post covid but we can Mm -hmm. get there a little bit a little bit (laughs) <laughs> not for it right now so i want you because you know the listeners people listening and they'll be like well what's a cat i hear she say creative arts therapist and i hear her talk about modalities and things like that but i ain't sure what she mean so mm-hmm. for the average person or the skeptic i know mm-hmm. no two sessions would ever be the same uh, but i want you to try to give us like a visual of how an ideal session would go or maybe you can give us different scenarios with different people dealing with things so maybe a child from the same community maybe an addict maybe an elderly person who has um alzheimer's mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. um okay so let me just define cat <laughs> <laughs> in a shorter way basically creative arts therapy is a psychotherapeutic form of therapy, psychological therapy, mm-hmm. um, that uses the creative arts such as dance, drama, music, art, and others mm-hmm. to aid in the developmental, emotional, and psychological, and social, spirit, and spiritual element of a being. That's it in a shorter form. What does that mean in layman terms? Yeah, because I know people here saying, I still ain't know, so let me see. Mm -hmm. So basically, when someone comes into my my office or outside space, Mm -hmm. and they come to me with an issue, an issue can be a child who has anger problems. Mm -hmm. And I would then speak to the parent on what are the signs or the issues that they are experiencing with that child mm-hmm. and what are the goals that they would want me to accomplish with their child who has anger problems or who is on a tantrum many days or who is skipping school or running away from home i would then start to assess the child in a in a talk therapy session in the beginning mm-hmm. 
And within that, I would ask some questions that may be laying on the subconscious of the child. As in, why are you running away from home? Mm-hmm. What are the triggers that are causing you to be angry? Because as families or as parents, we don't we miss out on the triggers and the emotional and social cues of why such person will be acting out like that. Mm-hmm. We just think as parents, oh, that, per- that, that child just real angry and got to get disciplined. But there are some things that may be bothering the child that you have missed a lot. Mm-hmm. And that child is at the point where it's like, I just need to react. So in talking to the child, I would ask a lot of subconscious questions because subconscious is on the back of the brain, conscious is in front of the brain. So subconsciously, that child has reasons to react and they're unable to verbalize what that is. So in talk therapy, a couple minutes in my session, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then I will go into an intervention in the middle of the session where we will look at kinesthetically where the anger is stored in the body. Mm-hmm. And then if he says my back, my hands, where he's always fisting his fingers or clenching his teeth or, or biting his lip. These are all signs that I pick up very subtle that persons may not pick up. Mm-hmm. So then I'm able then to report that to the parents because I will let the parents know, okay, look for when he's clenching, look for when he's biting his lips, look for when he's rubbing his teeth, look for when he is chewing out a gum, mm-hmm. right? Um, because these are things of that child wanted to control the anger but not able to express it because he's finding, right. it, he's finding ways to express it in a negative way. Because there's no room for him to express in a positive way. So then we would do all of those um, physical interventions in the space. So we would do it physically by moving, not dancing. There's a difference between dancing and moving. Exactly. We do it by moving. Um, if it is that he is unable to tap into movement, we're going to music. As I said, music therapy is one of the elements that I provide. Um, we will look at different genres of music that he may like. And that is information for me because he may go straight to rap. And rap is a genre that persons use to reduce or to elevate anger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very rough or rough or pump rock or rock in itself. I need to get out. That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. If that kind of music relates to him, I know something is happening in subconscious. Um, then to reduce the anger that is coming up anytime in the session, I will use some meditative music or some orchestral music to calm down mm-hmm. the anger that is there because you don't want him to leave the session fully angry or right. angry at all um and then it brings us to the end of the session where i may go into a poem which, which poetry therapy is is one of the aspects that we use in my sessions what has he gotten from that um session what has he learned from it what are what are the skills that he's used to help him reduce anger when he's back at home or back at school We'll do it in a poem and then we would repeat this, this cycle or these interventions week after week. So that's what a session with such client would look like. Mm-hmm. Every client is different. And then I meet the client where they're at. I've had, I'll tell you of a scenario of a client, an addict, who has a very heavy, mm-hmm. heavy criminal background. I ain't gonna lie. Heavy mm-hmm. criminal background. But when you think you work with an addict, you think you just work with the substance abuse problem. But sometimes addicts that have criminal backgrounds are not addicts. 
We think they're out of use it to mass something else. They use it to mass because they're criminals in the beginning. They have to use in order to commit the crime. It does not mean that they're an addict. So mm. what do I look at? Do I look at the criminal? Do I look at the addict? I look at the criminal first in a situation like that. So every person is different. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Mm. That's that's really interesting. And I hope that our listeners, you know, got to unpack what a kind of session will look like because I know we 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 tend to store our emotions in different ways indeed. Um mm -hmm. In the Caribbean, well, you know, a lot of people grind the teeth. So somebody listening will be like, oh, so when I grind my teeth, I'm angry. No, we're not trying to tell you that these <laughs> specific things appeal to you. No, that's just a specific scenario with an individual um, a client. Now, you mentioned that you took a year off before going overseas to travel and in that time frame is when you started to feel disheartened with the industry and Barbados and trying to really get involved with it you can unpack that now and, and, and let us know a little bit more about that and how has it changed between then and now because this had to be about six years now no yeah in between. Um, I went school in 2014 so seven so 20, yeah. 2012 to 2011 to 2013 actually two yeah. years mm -hmm. i can't remember when i finished school but yeah um what uh, lord <laughs> uh, that, is no, that is a whole i know if you don't want to unpack um, what you can do is just say maybe how you were talk about a little bit how you were disheartened then or put it back now after the fact that you've come into your own practice and you you come back home now and you're the the only creative arts therapist in barbados the first at that so how does it how do you, how have you seen the industry change now that you have are you at this the only one creative arts therapist in barbados how would you say the arts industry has changed if we had a video call right now i think you would love to see <laughs> Um, because my whole eyeball just dropped. <laughs> so you are um, you less? You got I, one I eye? Go. You're a pirate. <laughs> that is right. Because nothing in change. Oh my God. Wow. And I'm actually happy I am where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because let me say this to the listeners. Barbados has so much talent. I ain't gonna lie. So much talent i am one of those talents mm -hmm. out of the thousands of persons in this 277,000 uh, population in barbados 166 square miles i'm one of those talents and i am privileged to be one of those talents but i'm not seen i'm not heard i'm not understood i'm not accepted i am not loved for me being a talent mm. so i decided all of my hard work from three years old Till now, mm -hmm. gone in my head. It went. It, it gone in mm -hmm. my head. It gone. But I know that if I was to be put on a stage now, I would tear down the place because mm -hmm. I know I got it in me. The talent is still there. But when I go on that stage now, am I going to be paid well? Am I going to be understood enough? Am I going to be? able to travel and represent my country enough and not just once a year or once every four years 
Mm-hmm. That's what I went through as a professional dancer. And I needed to not go through that again. So tapping into creative arts therapy as the only one where then I can travel around the islands and spread mm-hmm. this unique form of therapy. I prefer to do that. Yeah. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me about the highs and the lows of being a cat and not just having nine lives. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> all right, so let's start with the lows. Um financial support mm-hmm. from investors. Um not having my own space. Mm-hmm. That's a dream that I hope to have. Um, a creative arts therapy space. Mm-hmm. Um, so financially, going out there and advocating in the newspapers or different proposals to different companies and agencies in Barbados, particularly, mm-hmm. to be funded so that I can have a center or I can be funded to have different small groups is a challenge. Lasha low. Um, because a lot of persons don't know about it, so I have to keep advocating a lot. Um, I don't mind doing that, but it gets tiresome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say that is one. And also the misinterpretation of what creative arts therapy is, because some persons misunderstand me to be a, psych- a physiotherapist. Right. And that's not what I do. <laughs> I don't touch a massage and do ultrasounds and put the jelly thing on people's bones. I don't do any of that. I do go to oh, physiotherapy, mm-hmm. but people think I do that. So I have to keep regurgitating and repeating what I do mm-hmm. in order for persons to learn and be educated about this unique form of therapy. Um, so I do it in a very much empowering way and motivational way on my platform. Mm-hmm. And that is helping persons understand what I do a little bit more. So I've been getting a lot of referrals, a lot of behavioral um, kids and kids that are on the spectrum as well. Mm-hmm. So it's working. Um and that's tapping into the high now. The highs are, I'm very relatable. It's a relatable um, form of therapy mm-hmm. uh, because it's not just sit down in front of me and I sit in front of you and tell me your stuff. It is not going into a psychologist or a psychiatrist's office and just talking. It is us just actually conversing about the issues by just moving in a space mm-hmm. and simultaneously talking. That is a high and that is something that my clients do enjoy. Um, and just sometimes actually allowing persons to re- to just be free mm. in the moment and being in and being in the present time. Like I had a group yesterday uh, with some addicts, males in particular. I'm not gonna tell you and I'm not going to lie. These men ready for crop over because <laughs> These men Wait, who ain't them. ready for crop over though? I, I know, right? But they know that they are still going to be in a rehab. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they can enjoy life being clean yeah, and just walk up and be still mm-hmm. masculine mm-hmm. or even enjoy their sexual orientation, mm-hmm. like that is freedom in itself. And that was lovely to just be present and to allow men, as I said at the beginning, hence why I tapped into it due from my my friend Shay, mm-hmm. you know, the prostate cancer and the issue of men, just seeing about 20, 25 plus men in a big circle on a pastor in the country, Jay, mm-hmm. enjoying moving 
and then at the end just talking about their struggles as an addict mm-hmm. but because in a, in my sessions we don't talk about the issues first we relieve the issue through the different therapies in the beginning and then we talk about it in a conversation or in a discussion mm-hmm. you know so that's the high that's the good stuff i love about um creative arts therapy so imagine i may as a cat i may have nine lives but i touch 25 lives there you get it <laughs> <laughs> yes use your superpower cat woman <laughs> So I want you and, and there's a, a a big misconception of therapists and people always think that a therapist always has that hat on. And I mean, I think it comes in the in the teaching profession as well because I've gotten cases where you know you'll be in conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden they will say Okay teacher. Well, you know, are you a teacher? So yeah, you would know that. So it <laughs> it seems as though people always think because of your specific profession that you can't be a person. Mm-hmm. It's like like tattoos, you know? We teacher is supposed to got tattoos. Okay. So we we have people we talking about individual. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> I keep <laughs> right so my thing is because as there are many sides to a therapist the, a therapist has to have their own therapist as well right mm-hmm. to uh, to unpack and to offload some of the things whether with clients or whether with personalities their own personal lives you know all these other things so i want you to tell me what's the biggest misconception about you as a person who is a therapist that i'm always a therapist <laughs> so it's like people I, are, I just drop out mm-hmm. so is that you are the i just <laughs> stop mm-hmm. you can't see you as a I blind can't. cat <laughs> i am <laughs> behave so my thing is right how how nicola i mean because it must be hard to have a regular conversation with people then again is people who don't understand you that will see it that way right yes mm. um being a therapist is it's like being a doctor always on call mm-hmm. being a teacher always on call when parents mm-hmm. or families having to call you mm-hmm. being a policeman being a fireman i'm not dismissing or diminishing the other professions Fashion, in the world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's a very hard job. Mm-hmm. You have to be very conscious of when you leave the space that you don't take it home. Just like in theater where I was told mm-hmm. don't bring no shit into the space, nope. into the theater space. Mm-hmm. Leave it at the door. Um, part that character leave it there too. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I took that into my therapist journey and I'm still taking it. And it's but it's hard because you know you're a healer and you're trying to be very solution based for your clients. Mm-hmm. And you try not to take that into your personal life to help persons find solutions in their lives or your families and your immediate families and and and, and you try to not have any switch of roles every second. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to contain and control but what i have learned is that i attract who 
wants me in their lives mm-hmm. and who I need in my life mm-hmm. to understand that when I am being a therapist, quote unquote, for five seconds in my friendship conversation, mm-hmm. that he or she understands that this is not going to last therapist. long. Mm-hmm. This is just Nick being analytical Nick. This is yeah. just Nick being an overthinker Nick. This is Nick just trying to find solutions in the moment. The same things that I use in my therapy session, it is still me that I use mm-hmm. as a friend, as a partner, as a daughter, as a niece, as mm-hmm. a dancer. There is still me because before I, all I did was when I went to study, I just got the extra tools to help a person. Exactly. I, 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 I didn't have the tools to help my family. No, if not, I would have become a family therapist no Mm -hmm. so it is hard you are very i'm very much personally i'm very much misunderstood i'm very much i have persons coming to me um when i'm in conversations with them oh are you therapizing me what are you why are you doing this and i get very offended and hurt by that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i let them know well if that's all you see of me then i don't need you in my life Mm -hmm. because that is not all i am that is just a part of me so it is hard it is very very hard and i always have to tell my family in particular that when i come home with a screw face it doesn't mean that i'm vexed with anyone in the house or i'm vexed with anyone that i'm going to it just means that i'm unpacking i'm still unpacking Mm -hmm. so when i go into my personal space in my rooms and stuff i'm still unpacking so that when i leave my rooms now i am not that same person that I left the space because imagine me dealing with a a heavy client oh gosh I can call my therapist yes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can unpack there or my mentors I can unpack there but I'm only human I may have dreams about it Mm -hmm. I may wake up in the morning still feeling heavy about it I'm human Mm -hmm. so it is hard it is very very hard and I really wish that persons can understand that therapists doctors any other person that has a job that relates to person's emotions that you need to give them a break. Mm -hmm. You need to understand them and learn them because not everyone is a heart person. Some persons are head people. Mm -hmm. So there is a difference. So, yeah. Well, well, you see that unpacking and um, reflecting and different things like that. We we know that a lot of people are still trying to manage their emotions as well. During this same period of COVID, because mm-hmm. even though you know a, a lot of the restrictions have been lifted, and you know a, a lot more interaction or interfacing has ha- has been happening, some people still don't know how to cope with it, especially the creatives who can't go back to their creative spaces because mm-hmm. they can't get on the stage or you know performing. And having that live interaction, yes, you can, you can do it on Zoom, but it's not the same as having the people in front of you actually hearing them scream and seeing them, you know, move and gyrate to your music or, you know, your dancing and stuff like that. So what would be one tip, just one tip for our listeners to help them to manage their emotions um, during this period? One tip, if it could only be one single thing. All right, three words that I would say. Mm-hmm. All right, just pause so that I, I pause so that they could <laughs> take any <Sure>. words. <laughs> so, so we're going to pause. Mm-hmm. Number one, acknowledge what the feeling is. Mm-hmm. 
Number two, accept the feeling. Mm -hmm. Number three, release or express the feeling mm. in a safe space. Mm -hmm. Those are the three tips that I would say. I'll repeat, acknowledge. Oh, so you're getting three actions, three action words, or three, three action actions words. to do to help unpack the emotions. Acknowledge. Yeah. Accept. Accept. And express. And express, yeah. You hear that again, people? Let me say it again. Acknowledge. Accept. Express. Acknowledge. Accept. Express. Acknowledge. Accept. Express. That's a dance day, girl. <laughs> so my final thing for you today, Miss Nick, you know, a conversation is a trajectory. Many people want this big bad wolf thing, me and COVID, to be over. So let us look ahead. Let's say I like to use the number three, but I want to say five. Five mm -hmm. years from now, would you hope for your specific practice, your profession, your this feel, what do you hope for this feel um, or for your career in the next five years post COVID? Because COVID better be done in the next five years. Um, having my own center mm -hmm. um, so that persons of vulnerable um, populations can come in and use the therapeutic art forms to express or sort out or figure out mm -hmm. um, their issues in that safe space. Um, that's uh, one of my five-year goals. Mm -hmm. um, travel the islands in particular, slash the world, but I want to start with the islands first to start to um, get it out there. Mm -hmm. I have other colleagues in Trinidad and Jamaica that we're working on something um, in order to get it to other islands. As I said, there are other art therapists and music therapists and dance therapists in other islands. So we're just trying to form an association in order for it to, you know, be big up. Um, so travel the world and advocate more about this unique form of therapy. And just just continue helping people within five for five years, five years and beyond, mm -hmm. um, and being and allowing persons to exhibit what they have learned or what they have uh, expressed or got or got from such sessions with me, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of testimonies need to be told. But I think because it's so new, um, persons are so very skeptical. Yeah, very skeptical. Yeah, so I don't want persons to talk about their issues because it's private and confidential, but their learning outcome of what they got from a session of such with me. Mm -hmm. That's in a five-year goal. Mm. Well, you may have mentioned there so about, because uh, sorry, I remember recently you were on a live with some friends, your colleagues from India talking about yeah. unpacking your emotions. Yeah. So, so it is very important for you to have that network of professionals in the same field who can, you know, you can, what does it say? Iron sharpen iron. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, yes, continue to communicate and bring those people down here. And I bring and I go up to different countries and um, and different cities because it, it needs we, we need to have a change of cultural, a cultural exchange. 
we need to have that in terms of the creative arts therapy because creative arts therapy, dance therapy is not the same in India. I'm going to tell you, it's very big over there, especially with COVID now. Mm-hmm. Like the death toll in India is is huge. So they, the therapists, need a lot of healing themselves. So again, cultural exchange. Some of my colleagues are saying to me on the live, you know, Nikolai, I wish I could walk on the beach. Can you please send me a video of you walking on the beach? Mm. You know, that peace, you yeah. know. So even those therapists are reaching out for peace, for mm-hmm. uh, for an element of just calmness and, and serenity. They need that themselves, mm-hmm. you know. So that cultural exchange, I am definitely looking forward to in a five-year trajectory. Mm-hmm. Well, you missed this out in your five-year trajectory, which is very necessary. Oh. And that's for you to yeah, be in the schools somehow, even if it is doing workshop with, workshops with um, I am, teachers yes, yes, yes <laughs> educators that is very critical because we know that a lot of times uh, we see a child at to know and say that he's a baby I don't want him in my class or the parents don't know how to manage these emotions so yes that is a space where you will be needed yes ma'am right so thank you very much Miss Nick for bringing yourself and your nine lives here to come down stage with Jay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today and hearing all about my friend who is a cat, a creative arts therapist, Miss <laughs> Nicolette Williams. And I will leave all of her details for you to get in contact with her and find out more about how you can maybe have a session with her. She doesn't bite, you know, she's a cat, not a dog. So anyhow, <laughs> thanks, Miss Nick, for coming on. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> and for all my listeners, I'll hear you next sometime soon. So be safe, everybody.